0: Proverbs chapter 3, would you stand with me today? Let's read together from Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9. Verse number 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be will brim over with new wine. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray I make much of you and much of your word today. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us and we would respond and desire with Everything we are to follow you in every way. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today, to worship, to connect, to be encouraged, to grow. We give you this time together in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're in a series called Life Hacks. And a life hack in our culture is defined as a a secret or a tool that is supposed to help to lead us to a better way of life, a smarter way of living, a, a simpler way of life, to get more done in even a shorter amount of time. Now, we admitted early on in this series, we need wisdom. But there's no real wisdom apart from God. You can search the life hacks that culture offers. I said the first week of this series, if you Google life hacks, the first articles, over 200 life hacks that are supposed to make your life easier and better. We need wisdom. We, we need to know how to live. But the real wisdom that we need comes from God and His Word and not from just what culture says is best for us the basis of seeking wisdom comes through what we term in Scripture or find in Scripture as the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not being scared of God, it's being reverent, uh, having reverence for Him, having an awe for God. And the more we see who God is, the more we understand who He is, and the more we want to honor Him. And in honoring God, that means we want to be obedient to Him. We want to take His Word and apply it to what He's saying to our lives and live that out in obedience. Last week we talked about trusting God, how with every detail and every situation in our lives we can trust God to lead us. Uh, This is a... A life hack in the sense of we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. In fact, scripture teaches us not to be those things. Don't be caught up in worrying about what tomorrow has to hold. Don't be caught up in trying to figure all these things out on your own. But instead, Scripture teaches us to trust in God in every detail, in every situation. We talked about getting into the rhythm of trusting God each day to start a new day. And then even throughout the day and all that we do and how we navigate meetings and conversations and interactions and decisions, how we learn to trust in God. Now today we begin a, a two-week, what I call a Life Hack mini-series, right in the smack middle of this series called Life Hacks, simply called Dollars and Cents, and yes, that is intentionally spelled S-E-N-S-E, because a lot of people may have dollars, but they don't all have sense. Come on, somebody, common sense ain't so common anymore. Here's a preface to this message. Here's what you need to know. We will not, everybody say not, we will not be taking a second offering after this message. You can relax. (laughs) This is not a reactive message, so this is a product of preaching simply through the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. I do not look at individual giving units or giving amounts. So today, if something that is said causes you to have a pause or a conviction moment, that's between you and the Lord. Don't get mad at the messenger. And then lastly, I understand the hesitancy for pastors to preach on this topic. Because for years now, we've been seeing things play out in the public arena that don't give a good taste for people and money. I've seen some of those people, even with the name Pastor, and and that what has played out in the media in our world has not been great. We've seen unethical practices with money throughout the lives of many, many people in our world. All of that to say, however, the topic of money is really important. We make a lot of decisions around money. I mean, every day I come to the office, I've got to make a choice. I either know that there's going to be leftovers here from maybe a midweek meal, so I'm just going to go to the fridge and pull out an extra piece of pizza that's really hard and needs to be eaten, or I'm going to, I'm going to bring a sandwich from home, which for me is typically a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Can I get a witness? All right, good. I'm very OCD about it, though. Do not mix my peanut butter and jelly together. It needs to be one on one side and one on the other, and then it's put together. It's a mental thing. It's probably those school lunches when I was a kid, honestly, where they just stirred it up. Thank you for praying. Everybody's OCD. It just matters what you're OCD about. And, uh, and, or I have to choose, am I going to go get something to eat? Well, a lot of times I make a decision of eating a sandwich or eating something leftover simply because I don't want to spend the money of buying something to eat. So we make a lot of decisions based on money, and a lot of decisions are based on are we going to gain or are we going to lose money? That's a big decision factor in our lives. I would also say that this is a really important topic because money comes up as often as any other topic in marriage counseling. I hear about finances and the details surrounding finances and how money is spent or how one person is not as good with finances, all those different things. I hear all about that in marriage counseling through the years as a pastor. And then lastly, as a report, late December of 2022, 77% of Americans are feeling anxious about the money part of their life. A lot of people are really concerned Here's the ultimate overarching thought for today. We must control money, or money will control us. Money only does what we tell it to do. It doesn't have a mind of its own. It doesn't have legs to walk around. I wish there was a money tree in the backyard, come on. But but there's not. Money doesn't have a mind of its own. Money does what we tell it to do. But money, if not careful can solicit desires and decisions that aren't the healthiest for our lives and our spiritual lives. Now, there's actually quite a bit in the Bible about money. I didn't go counting this week, but scholars will tell you that there could be up to 2,000 verses in Scripture that are connected to the thought of money, more than Scriptures on faith and prayer combined. Now, that's not minimizing faith or prayer. It's just emphasizing the reality that there's a lot of talk in Scripture about how we handle our money. An estimated 25% of Jesus' words deal with stewardship. One out of ten verses in the Gospels deals with money. So when we take the entirety of God's Word on the topic of money into consideration, we see, first of all, the need for our hope to be in Jesus and not in money. I, I have a, a relative, and I think I said it first there, my dad who, who is kind of in that retirement age. He's been on leave trying to determine will he keep working or is he going to live on, on the, the retirement side of things. And one of the big conversations that, that we've had And I know it's probably not nearly the amounts that other people in in our world could have, but one of the conversations is the money that he's put in for retirement and it's been invested into the stock market and how much the last year or so people have lost money in the stock market. It just goes to prove that that if your dependence and your confidence is in money and having all of your needs met in that way... you're going to find out that even money is fleeting. Even money moves, if you will. The need is for our hope, our confidence to be in Jesus and not in money. The Bible tells us that we need to use money as a tool to live and to minister to other people and not be consumed by the attraction of constantly wanting more. And we're taught in Scripture the need for contentment in Christ, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot. When we're content in Christ, the outside circumstances, yeah, they they affect us, yeah, they change sometimes, but they don't affect us in the sense of having contentment in Christ. We're solid, we're good to go because we have Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content whether I have little or I have a lot. I've been in both places and I've learned the secret. It's Jesus. Now, the evidence of money problems is not only captured in Scripture, But it's evidenced by the way people live today. First of all, money and the talk of money is mentioned in Scripture numerous times, as I said earlier. And one of the most misquoted verses of Scripture is, people say, money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's evidence that there are people in our world who are wrestling with the love for money and more. Get-rich-quick schemes are really, really popular. I've known some people... Amber and I both have known some people who they have seen this this product or this company that has really sold them on, you should jump in and be a part of this, invest, and you're going to make all this money back, and I've seen people take thousands of dollars that they really didn't have to spend, invest it into this company or this product, and only for a few months later to want to do everything they can to sell all the product back and try to get a little bit of that money back, because they found out they're not really making anything, it's just the people above them in the triangle that are making all all the money but they're really popular some people are willing to be less than honest to make more money we see it in our culture today when people's salaries are about here and yet they're worth all of this money up here something doesn't add up quite right People strap themselves with debt all for the idea of status and and recognition and living like other people live. It's a money problem. And some people regularly spend hundreds, if not more, with only a minuscule chance to win millions of dollars. I don't know what the jackpot is these days, the mega millions jackpot, but let me just remind you that if you have a moment of weakness and fall to temptation... Tithe on winning the lottery is 50%, not 10. That's a joke. Although the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Anyway, Anyway. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now let's talk about wealth for just a moment. Because most people, maybe even some of the people that are gathered today in this room or online... Most people do not consider themselves wealthy, especially when you take into consideration the inflation issues that we are wrestling right now and the rising costs on things we regularly use and need as a result. When we were living uh, further south in our country, there was a jewelry store known as Jared's, and their tagline on their commercials when people would give an engagement ring to their girl was, he went to Jared's. Well, now there's a meme circulating on social media with a picture of a dozen eggs that says he went to Kroger. <laughs> or whatever store you want to imply. Uh, people with chickens at home are, are really in high cotton these days. I tell you, it's probably a good thing. A lot of people don't consider themselves wealthy because the cost of things especially has increased so much. However, Pew Research reported this was in 2015, okay? This is not even right now. This has been a few years. But in 2015, Pew Research reported that on a global scale, if you take into account the entirety of the world, on a global scale, I'm quoting, the vast majority of Americans are either upper-middle income or high-income. And many Americans who are classified as poor by the U.S. government would be middle-income globally. Let me me give you the the number, the dollar amount, if you will. High income on a global scale means you make more than $50 a day. Poor on the global scale means you make $2 or less a day. If you make more than $37,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. To paraphrase for you today, if you didn't wake up with fear of running out of food or fear of not having enough clean drinking water or if you drove a car to church today, you're considered way ahead of many people. Now, this is not about guilt. I don't think guilt's a good motivator. I could give you all the reasons to, to consider to, and chew on these statistics, but it's not about guilt. It's about a simple awareness that That in a lot of cases, we do have resources. That in a lot of ways, we can say, and we don't need to reduce the word simply to this meaning, but we can say we are a blessed people, that living in this nation and having the opportunities we have does make us in in a class of people that really is well above most of the world we're living in. I mean, we have, can we be honest, we have first world problems, not third world problems. I, my girls used to watch a show, and I've seen it come on occasionally, and, and uh, in this show, they're, they're, there's a family in a house and one of the boys in the house is recording a podcast episode, and he's using a lot of the bandwidth of the Internet. And the the little sister, who's like 10, maybe 12 years old, who's way too young to even have a cell phone, my opinion, doesn't have to be yours, but she's way too young to have a cell phone. She comes running down the stairs, and she's griping because the Internet won't load this free download of a favorite song she wants to download because this other guy is doing a podcast episode. I mean, they're arguing over how fast the Internet is. Those are first-world problems. Well, the coffee's not this, or the coffee's not that. Uh, This meal wasn't cooked with my favorite topic. I mean, we could go down the line, but these are first-world problems. But most Americans, while they don't consider themselves wealthy, they really are in consideration for global standards. Now, here's the challenge. There's an issue among the American culture that is now being termed. There's actually a word to define the problem of the American culture. And that word is affluenza. Now maybe you recognize this word is sort of a combination of influenza and affluence. Affluenza is defined as a social condition that arises from the desire to be more wealthy or successful. And the premise of this entire definition is that a lot of Americans live this way. They desire to be more wealthy. No matter where they're at, they can always find someone who's more wealthy, so they always want to have more wealth and more success. Webster's Dictionary defines it even a little further, and I want you to listen closely to this. Affluenza is extreme materialism and consumerism associated with the pursuit of wealth and success, and resulting, listen to this, and resulting in a life of chronic dissatisfaction, debt, overwork, stress, and impaired relationships. Simply put, many Americans, not all, but many, are consumed with financial success and material possessions to a point that no amount of anything is ever enough. Now, let's correct the wrong theology. I said earlier, money in itself is not evil. I'll quote again 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And a few verses later, this is actually in Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 defines God as the one who richly provides everything for enjoyment. That's Scripture. We need money to eat, to lay our heads on a bed, to stay warm. We certainly need heat in Minnesota, and it's only getting higher. Money can be used to help others and to make a significant difference in our world, especially to spread the Gospel of Jesus and even to meet other people's physical material needs. The topic of money is not about evil in money itself. It's more about the use of money and the right perspective about it. In Matthew chapter 25, you can write the reference down and go back and read it yourself. For the sake of time, I'll just share with it quickly. In Matthew 25, Jesus taught a parable, which was an illustrative story with a point of application for the listeners. And in this story, Jesus told of an owner who had a lot of wealth who was going on a trip. And that owner gave each of his servants an amount of money or bags of gold, as one translation speaks of it. When the owner returned, there was one servant who'd been given five bags of gold and had gained five more. There would have been one servant who'd been given two bags of gold and had gained two more. The one who'd been given one bag of gold had buried it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. Now the servants who'd made more, the five made five more and the two made two more, the servants who had made more were commended. And Jesus referred to them in the story as faithful servants. The the servant who hid his bag of gold in the ground and did nothing with it was referred to as a wicked and lazy servant. The point of the parable was not about the amount of money. Jesus never shared in the story that the one who had five bags was greater than the one who had one bag. The point was not the amount of money. The point of the parable was how each servant stewarded or managed what they had been given. And depending on how they managed it, was really the perspective of how much respect and honor they had for the owner and how well they stewarded and managed and had the right perspective about what had been given to them. It's not a matter of how much we have. It's a matter of how we steward what God has given us. What do we do with it? How do we manage it? People would say, well, poverty poses problems, and that's true. People can lack basic essentials needed for health and survival, But affluence, if not careful, can pose problems as well. People can lose sight of the fact that even though they're blessed and have plenty of resources, there are other people who can struggle, or people in affluence can prioritize possessions and gaining more over greater matters and greater priorities, such as those of Christ. The principles of biblical money management apply to all of us, no matter the resources we have. We need to see ourselves as stewards or managers of God's resources. He's the owner. He gives and blesses us, resources us, and now what we want to do is honor Him with what He's given us. Resources create opportunities. Proverbs chapter three verse nine says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth." In everything in our lives, the, the greatest opportunity and the greatest question for a Jesus follower is very simple: With what God has given me, how can I honor Him?" That's that's the question for our lives as Jesus followers. With every breath that we take, with the job that we work, with the money and resources we've been given, with our family, you could go on down the line. With whatever we have, the question for a Jesus follower is, how can I honor him? This world we live in is so self-focused. How can I get more money? I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you have. Maybe you're there now. But there are a lot of people in the world who are saying, you know, if I just had this job, or if I just had this salary, or if I just had this level of income, or this increase in my life, I I could do much more with this amount of money. I could be a faithful steward with this amount of money. I could get past where I'm at if I just had more money. And for a lot of people, more money is the association of more status, more toys, more options. I have found, and this is not a criticism, it's just reality, affluence brings more options in life. If you have resources, you can choose to do more things. I've seen people that if they have affluence, if they're living an affluent life, they have resources because God's blessed them with a great job or great jobs, plural, whatever the case, that then they have more opportunity and they have more choices to spend time with their kids, travel as a family, so on and so forth. I've seen some people that if not careful, affluence can lead to options and it actually takes being in God's house as an option compared to what other options are spending time as family. I've seen people who are affluent, they start to begin to prioritize the time with their family and traveling with their family and the things they can do on the weekend greater than spending time with Jesus and His followers. My priority as a Jesus follower is to use everything I have, time, talent, treasure, resources. My priority as a Jesus follower is to use everything to honor Him. And when we honor God, we also serve others. Our priority becomes, how can we honor God? And oftentimes that means we're giving or using our resources in a way that helps to serve other people as well. Money is a matter of priorities. Let's just call it what it is. How can I honor God with my income? Am I making honest gains in my life? Am I chasing wealth or am I not chasing wealth because I'm not, I'm not allowing the money part of my life to, to, to consume what I chase all the time? How can I honor God with my expenses? Am I living a life consumed with keeping up with the cultural status, with as we used to say, with keeping up with the Joneses? You ever heard that phrase before? We had a family in our, in our previous pastorate. Their last name was Jones. So every time we said something about keeping up with the Joneses, everybody looked at them to see if they had new clothes on that day. It's this idea and culture that you never have enough, that nothing is ever good enough, that you've got to have the latest and greatest. It's, it's you have the iPhone 13 Pro, but there's an iPhone 14 now. It's it's that you have a camera that will take pictures, but you need the better camera because those five more megapixels may really make my face look better. It's the idea that you've got to have a certain brand, a certain name represented on your clothing or your car. How can I honor God with my expenses? Am I consumed with keeping up with social status? Am I consumed with keeping up with other people? Am I allowing my expenses to contribute to a great debt load in my life that now I'm enslaved? Scripture talks about this. I'm enslaved now to using more of my resources to pay off this debt than I am to be able to use the resources to honor God. Am I prioritizing my wants over my needs or even recreation over kingdom investment? Here again, I can't answer these questions for you. But I think if our desire is to honor God, He will show us and help us to use our resources to honor Him. Next week, we'll get into some practical specifics. What does God expect of us? How can we truly trust God in our resources, the resources He's given us? How can we declare in our lives that He is our source? And we, how can we actually show our faith in Him to provide what we need? There's some great scriptural encouragement in that. But today, I want to summarize it this way. We can worship wealth or we can worship God with our wealth. We can worship wealth, or we can worship God with our wealth. We've established that whether we think so or not, we're actually among people who have resources. The world, much of the world, would call us wealthy. We've established there are issues in our world with responses to money. People don't treat money always in a healthy way. We've established that resources create opportunities, and even options, and we... Understand that having the right perspective about money and wealth leads us to have the right priorities. How can we honor God with what He's given us? It really comes down to this. We either worship and chase wealth, or we worship and chase after God with our wealth. We use that as another means in our lives to honor God. If we worship wealth, we want and we want and we want and we want and we never have enough. We create priorities and pursuits based on getting more wealth. We're never satisfied. If we worship God with our wealth, we see the blessings of what we have. We recognize that He's given us blessings and given us resources and we prioritize what matters to God with our resources. We give to God as a, direct, a declaration of our, that He's our source. We give to God to further the spreading of the gospel and the expansion of His kingdom. We give to God so that others' needs may be met. Are we chasing wealth? Or are we chasing after God and wanting to honor Him with our wealth? So let me ask you today, as a summary of this message leading us into the practicalities next week, what is your perspective of money? I want to be very careful because I never want anyone to misinterpret that me sharing a personal thought is somehow an attempt to draw attention to myself. I couldn't be further from the truth. But I have found myself, maybe some of you are doing the same, I have found myself in a world of, in a world of, of poverty on many places in the, around the globe, in a world with inflation and rising costs with a lot of things. In a world of a lot of people who mismanage and don't consider the blessings that they have being from God, I found myself, even when I sit down over a meal, saying, God, I thank you that I have food to eat today. I don't take for granted that, man, I got enough food in front of me, I could actually overeat. People would beg for the scraps on my plate. That I really don't need these eggs and thick sliced bacon and pecan pancakes from original Pancake House. But I'm grateful that I have food to eat. It's a perspective issue. Do you view your resources as a blessing from God? If you're able to come in today and say, I have food to eat. I have clothes on my back. I have a place to live. I have a place to sleep. I'm able to stay warm do you view your resources as a blessing from God? Do you see yourself, rather than the owner to the point of control and making decisions over seeking more resources, do you see yourself as a steward and a manager of what God has given you? The principle laid out in Scripture is that if you are faithful in little things, God will then give you more in your life. Now, we shouldn't take that as a reason to do certain things just so we can get more. That there's an unhealthy motive in that. But it's the premise that when your focus is on not chasing the money but chasing after God and I just want to honor God, when God sees you being a good steward, being a good manager, he will continue to provide resources so that you can steward and manage those to honor him. I absolutely believe that. It's scriptural. Do you see yourself as a steward or a manager of what God has given you? Do you see money, rather than being this segment of life that has nothing to do with following Jesus, do you see money as another opportunity to honor God as a Jesus follower? And let me ask it this way Let let me put it simple and we'll wrap up. What are your financial priorities? What are your financial priorities? I would go far enough to say that your answer to this question may reveal the most about your perspective about money. Where do you spend your money? What are your priorities? Years ago, when everybody still carried a checkbook, I know a few of you may still, but years ago when everybody carried a checkbook and actually balanced it, (laughs) because nobody, I don't think, I don't know if anybody actually does that anymore, but anyway, when people used to carry a checkbook, The old saying was, "You can tell me your priorities and your love for the Lord by where you spend your money, by what's in your checkbook and your check register." Things may have changed some, and people may not carry carry money the same way that they used to, but the principle is still the same. Show us where we spend our money. Show us what our priorities are about money, and we reveal what our perspective really is. Am I honoring God? Do I want to honor God? Do I I see myself as a steward and a manager of what God has given me? Is God involved in the way I handle money? Or is that a part of life that I've kind of just lived on my own and made my own decisions without involving Him? Next week we'll pick up in Proverbs 3 because there's more to our text today than what we're able to get to. But I also want to wrap up by reading one other passage of Scripture. This comes from the New Testament, and we'll pick up with all of this next week. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Those of you that were done taking notes, gotcha. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is what the, the Apostle Paul was writing. He said this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Have we not seen that play out in the last couple of years? Things can shift very quickly. I told someone the other day, if I'm honest, the technology is already present. If somebody wanted to really control my life, all they'd have to do is freeze my bank account. I don't carry enough cash to do anything. I don't, I don't think I have any cash on me at the moment at all. If somebody wanted to control my life, all I'd have to do is freeze my bank account. It's so uncertain. Financial things, there's so, so much uncertainty in wealth and in the world in general. We're not to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope, our confidence in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them. So this is, if you have resources, listen to this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Pretty powerful words there. Why don't we chew on it this week together and come back and reflect. Would you stand with me for a moment? And I'm going to ask you to, if you're in the room today, to do something a little unique. And if you're online, you can do this too. I'd love for you to respond with us. But I, I didn't bring my phone up just to talk about iPhones I brought my phone up because as I said a moment ago, I just personally don't often find myself carrying a lot of cash. So for me, if I want to check my bank account or even if I paid how I paid for my Starbucks this morning, I used my phone. So for me today, the phone is symbolic of my finances and resources. Okay. So I want you to grab something today, whether it's a purse, a wallet, a phone, I want you to grab something that's symbolic of your finances and your resources today. I said this is a little different. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to open it up and give today. We're just going to pray together. Okay? I want you to take it in your hand and I want you to, want you to pray this in your own way, but I'm going to lead us in a prayer that just simply is about God help us to have priorities in this area of our life, just like we do in any area of our life, that we want to honor you. We want to honor you. Would you pray with me in your own way? God, help me to honor you with what you've given me. May my priorities, O oh Lord, be what you want them to be. Lord, whether it's in in tithing and giving a portion of what you've given me, Lord, to acknowledge and declare that you are my source in life, whether it's to give above and beyond, Lord, to advance the gospel around the world and to partner with people who are saying yes to you to do that, or whether, Lord, it's to help somebody else in need. I give you these resources because they were yours to begin with. They're your, You're the owner. I'm the servant. I'm the steward, the manager. Lord, help me to steward them well, to have the right priorities in my life when it comes to finances. And, Lord, if there's, if there's any part of my financial situation that needs adjustment, if there's any area of my priority situation, Lord, that, uh, my financial situation, Lord, that is not in line, that, that, that Lord, I, I'm, I'm spending money in an area where, Lord, I could do differently and be able to do more in your kingdom. Lord, just show me. We yield to you today. We want to adjust. We want to honor you, Lord. More than ever before, we are finding in the wisdom of your word that what matters in this life more than anything else is are we honoring you, Lord? Are we doing what you're teaching? Are we doing what you're telling us to do? That's what we want. And we know that as we do that, not only will we honor you, we know you will use us to honor others and to help others and to care for others, Lord. We know that others will know what it means to follow You and to have a relationship with You because we're faithful stewards of what You've given us. So Lord, help us. I pray especially today for people who, maybe they're hearing this message and... They're struggling because, Lord, maybe they have a desire in their heart to honor you. And maybe they have a desire in their heart to have financial priorities that are not just uh, self-focused but are are focused towards others and helping others as well. But maybe today they're in a financial situation that, that they're not finding it easy to do this. Maybe there are people, Lord, today in this room or online that genuinely are in need, Lord. I pray your supernatural financial provision, everything that they need to eat, to live, to move about from place to place, Lord, everything that they need to have everything that they need. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would provide, even supernaturally, that you would lay it on the hearts of people, O oh Lord, to be your hands and feet to help others in their time of need. For those who are in a financial situation right now, Lord, and they don't see a way out. They, they maybe feel like they're buried or drowning in their financial situation. They're concerned maybe even today about what it looks like to, to, to feed children or feed their family. Maybe they're struggling to think about how they're going to make the, the bills this month, Lord. I pray for a supernatural work in their financial situation. And I pray oh God for a wisdom at work in our hearts and lives to help us see and to make decisions that we need to that will Lord bring us to a healthier place in those things than ever before. I pray if there are things that are uh, strapping cash flow. I think I pray if there are things that are that are maybe even addictive in people's lives that are consuming their expenses. Lord, I just pray you would supernaturally work in all of us. Bring freedom, financial freedom, freedom in every other area of life as well, Lord. Financial freedom, oh God, to live in a different way. We want to honor you and we ask you to help us and guide us to do that. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask prayer team members that are present in the service today, would you come and make yourself available on either side of the auditorium? These people who are coming will pray with you to follow Jesus. Maybe today uh, you, you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean for Jesus to be a part of every part of your life? These people will help you. If you have a need today, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's something that you just need God's help to come out of. They'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. Maybe today you want to pray for another need that's weighing heavy on your heart. Even when you came in today, you're distracted by whatever else may be going on in your life and you're, you're concerned about what's going to happen. Today they'll pray with you and believe God to do some great things. I'm going to pray over you. And then I want to encourage you that you're welcome to pray as long as you'd like and to pray with these team members so that you can walk out of here feeling victory in the name of Jesus. You can walk out singing what we sing together this morning in worship. I may be fighting a battle, but I'm fighting one you've already won. To walk out with a lifting off of you, to not walk in that burden you carried in. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray with all of my heart that you would bless and keep this people. That you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. That your countenance, your favor would ever be turned in their direction. And that you would grant them your peace. Go with us. Keep us safe and well and whole. Keep us from harm and evil. Thank you, Lord, that you protect us and keep us in every way. Meet needs even now as people pray and seek you, Lord. And help us to honor you in every part of our lives. We give you praise today in Jesus' name.